This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson laid out his proposal for the city's 2024 budget today, including how he aims to close a half a billion dollar deficit without raising taxes. So what is his plan? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. This is the mayor's first budget, and many people have been anticipating whether Johnson would be able to keep some of the big promises that he made on the campaign trail. Local organizers and advocates say they want to see housing and mental health services among those priorities. We turn to a few experts to learn more about what is included in that plan. Mariah Wolfel is a city government and politics reporter for WBEZ. And Justin Marlowe is a research professor in the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy. And Justin starts by sharing his initial reaction. I think he did well, all things considered. Uh, it's a big challenge. Obviously, $550 million plus deficit that was projected just a few weeks ago. In that kind of a, a situation, there's not a lot of great options. There's only options that are kind of sort of good and mm-hmm. maybe even some, some options that are less bad. And certainly this budget that he's proposed has lots of ideas for kind of how to get through this budget cycle. I don't know that there's a lot with respect to big picture policy considerations. I don't know that we learned that much about where things are going long term, but we definitely learned a lot about how the city intends to just kind of get through this really uncertain time. Was it specific enough for you? Uh, well, as, as a budgeting uh, wonk, it's never specific enough, uh, but it, it definitely gave a, a good sense of how the gap will be closed, uh, which in some ways was, was a bit of a surprise and also not a surprise. There's some unexpected revenue windfalls, which is uh, in some ways not surprising. Some of the spending projections have been dialed back a little bit. So that sort of thing always happens when you get to this point in the in the budget projections just for getting through the current fiscal year. Right. And some of those details are forthcoming. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how they'll, uh, you know, if there's going to be unfilled positions, exactly where those new revenues are going to come from. Things like sweeping the tax increment finance surplus uh, a lot of those sort of details about how it will impact folks are, are going to have to come out in the days and weeks to come. But as far as a high-level roadmap of where things are headed, I think it, it lays things out pretty well. Mariah, let's let's dig into the promises that Mayor Johnson made. Re- remind us what some of those were. Um, sure. So one of the main ones, uh, some of the main ones he's, he's trying to chip away at in this budget, including reopening mental health clinics, um, in as part of the treatment not trauma proposal which aims to reopen the clinics also create citywide teams that do not include police officers to respond to mental health crises and johnson's saying he's making an investment in that policy in this budget by reopening two mental health clinics as a pilot in existing chicago department of public health facilities 
And then he is also making good on a promise that um, his predecessor promised and then never, you know, got to, which is reinstituting the city's Department of Environment. Um, progressive organizers have long called for that as a way to, you know, address and combat environmental racism that um, is so prevalent in the city of Chicago. And um, he's going to spend around $1.8 million to reinstitute that department in the next year. So those are two really big wins for organizers. And I think will give Johnson um, the ability to say he's chipping away at these promises and, you know, um, and making good on them. But at the same time, he's saying this is one of four budgets. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to fix what, you know, what he calls the harm and um, devastation that's been imparted on Chicagoans for decades uh, in one single budget. You know, all politicians make a lot of promises when they're campaigning, Justin. Some are more feasible than others, as, as we know. But at the time that Johnson was campaigning, I'm curious, did it seem realistic to you that these investments could be made, given our financial reality? Yes and no. I think at a, at a high level, it could be done, but that's a really difficult needle to thread. On the one hand, promising that we're not going to raise property taxes. Uh, on the other hand, promising a lot of investments and at the same time trying to make the city's revenue structure more progressive, which is a, a, a po- interesting policy goal. And the challenge of doing that, of course, is that a lot of the revenue sources that the city can control directly uh, are difficult to make more progressive, difficult to change rates, difficult to change the base. A lot of that will require uh, input from the state legislature. A lot of that will have to go to the ballot. Those things will definitely roll out over the next weeks and months. Yeah. So I think on the question of can it be done, it's a difficult needle to thread, and it will definitely take more than one budget cycle. The really interesting things to come will be in the next weeks and months when we see if those larger, particularly revenue policy changes uh, can be moved either in Springfield or on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And if that's possible, then I think we'll see uh, a lot more movement in the direction of a sort that he promised when he was campaigning. So let's dig into that proposed budget that the mayor presented today. He called it a balanced budget of $16.6 billion. Here's the mayor. As we begin this work, I'm thinking about my own family, especially my father, a pastor, a union laborer, raising 10 children and taking in foster children, working multiple jobs to keep us fed and sheltered. It is families like mine that I want to uplift with this budget. So, Mariah, tell us a little bit about how this balanced budget was done. Right. So the city was facing a $538 million budget gap, and the city of Chicago cannot operate on a budget gap. Johnson has to present a balanced budget. And on the campaign trail, you know, he continuously said he would not raise property taxes to do so. And to his credit, he is making good on that promise. He said that, you know, for far too long, property taxes have fallen on the burden of poor Chicagoans. And, um, you know, he stuck true to that promise despite, you know, experts on the campaign trail really saying that that was going to be difficult for him to do given the city's massive pension burden, um, which that in addition to increased personnel service, increased personnel costs because of union contracts the city has negotiated and because of the migrant crisis have all contributed to this $538 million budget gap. Instead, Johnson's relying on a surplus of tax increment financing dollars, which are leftover dollars from TIF districts that are, you know, designed for specific projects throughout the city, but did not get spent. And so he'll rely on that. He's also saying, you know, 
There's hundreds of million dollars in increased revenue projections for mm-hmm. next year. Definitely like details needed, more details needed. And we'll dig into those in the in the coming days. And also, you know, 112 million in operational efficiencies. And so lots here to kind of like dig in and really see where those savings and increased revenue projections are coming from. But that's the message from Johnson that, you know, they were able to take a look at this budget and be more efficient in spending and, and rely on a surplus in TIF to close this budget gap. Yeah, make this make sense, Justin. $243 million in expenditure savings, $321 million in improved revenue projections. Your thoughts on that plan? Sure. So efficiencies can take lots of different forms. I think, as as was mentioned, as the details of this start to roll out, I think we'll see that a lot of those efficiencies are things like leaving certain positions unfilled for the foreseeable future. I know there's been a lot of attention on what's been happening in the police department, in particular, a lot of unfilled positions. And I, I think it's fair to say that some of those will have to either be kind of put on hold or, or maybe even permanently set aside. We'll have to see, again, as, as that rolls out. So that's clearly going to be a part of the operational efficiencies. And there's absolutely other ways to think about operational efficiencies, different ways to procure services, different ways to think about intergovernmental relationships for different types of service delivery. So lots of things you can do on the operational efficiency side. And with a budget at the, at the scale of Chicago's, a, a few hundred million dollars in efficiencies are, yeah. are, are generally there. On the revenue side, I think yeah, it's, it's a little. I think we need to be careful when we talk about improved revenue projections. Sweeping dollars out of TIF funds is not necessarily an improved revenue projection, right? That's that's essentially taking dollars that have been dedicated for a specific purpose and and moving them into the corporate Just fund. Just shifting and, dollars around. Yeah, and we can, we can have a, a much longer discussion about why that may or may not be good fiscal policy. Certainly, it has to do with improved property tax projections overall, which is, uh, at the moment, that seems to be where property taxes are. Lots of concern about what property taxes are going to look like in six months or nine months or a year. So that's definitely a piece of the revenue picture. But I don't know that we should necessarily look at that as a as an overall improvement in the revenue picture. And then things like moving uh, fund balance, using reserve, those kinds of things. Again, those aren't necessarily revenue moves so much as they're yeah. kind of resources that were available. So I think on the spending side, it makes a lot of sense. On the revenue side, it's a, it's a little bit less uh, clear exactly how we should think about the revenue picture going forward. The mayor's office relieves uh, a city budget forecast in September. Part of the title of the administration's press release was, quote, Mayor Brandon Johnson keeping campaign promise committed to not raising property taxes. I mean, it's clear the mayor's keeping this promise, at least in this budget address. And that is why I'm proud that this budget makes strategic investments in people and communities without raising base property taxes. It is a promise that I have made as a candidate, and one that I'm keeping as mayor. This budget and multiple budgets to come, it's the people's budget. So what exactly is his plan here, Mariah? Yeah, correct. I mean, he's, he is not raising property taxes this budget. We will have to see how that pans out in future budgets. You know, um, his predecessor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, tied property taxes to the rate of inflation so that it would be a somewhat automatic escalator, but one that the mayor could forgo when um, he or she wants and or when they saw it fit. It's unclear if Brandon Johnson is getting rid of that policy altogether or if he's just foregoing it this year. We'll see what comes up in future years. But it is notable that he is 
foregoing a property tax increase this year because he could have very well said that, you know, while he works on other taxes that he might have to go to Springfield for or, you know, the Bring Chicago Home tax proposal that he talked about a lot in his address today to fund homelessness services, you could see him saying, well, this year we're going to have to do that. But, you know, that's as we work on these larger picture things. And and that is not what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And so um, really he's going politically to try to, to 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 play that up and you know take the credit um where it's due which is keeping good on that campaign promise that many said was was going to be difficult to do in the interest of time i want to move ahead here and and talk about something that's really top of mind for chicagoans and that's migrants and new arrivals asylum seekers are fleeing countries destabilized for years by dangerous foreign policy they see this nation and our city as a beacon of hope like so many immigrants before Chicago is a place strong enough to welcome and embrace newcomers while honoring our commitments to those who are already here, especially residents of communities that have long suffered from neglect and disinvestment. What current residents need and deserve from our city is not the same as what new arrivals need in this moment. But we must meet all demands if we truly love all people. So the mayor mentioned that currently, quote, over 11,000 asylum seekers are in the city's care. We, we've been actually seeing numbers up to 17, 18,000, though, right? So, Justin, with things how they are currently with this migrant crisis, what do you think needs to happen or change to put more investment into this? Yeah, it's, it's such a huge challenge. From a budgeting standpoint, it's really just hard to know what services to deliver, how much it'll cost to deliver those services. These are things that big cities like Chicago do, but they don't necessarily do them at the scale that we're talking about here. So a lot of this is going to require partnerships with faith-based communities, partnerships with community-based organizations, all sorts of things, again, that can be done but need to be done at a much larger scale. And it's hard to know if it becomes more or less expensive to deliver those kinds of services as you start to deliver them at scale. So I think the thing that is happening right now is they're trying to figure out what that infrastructure looks like and where those kinds of investments can be made. Mm-hmm. And this is all happening, of course, against the backdrop of not if it's unclear exactly how many more migrants are going to arrive, what the federal policy is going to look like. Right. So this is a huge, huge challenge from a budgeting standpoint. And I think they're doing kind of what they can right now, but it could be a, a real long-term drag on the city's ability to, to fund other kinds of services. Briefly catch us up, Mariah. What has the mayor proposed to address this problem? Yeah, so his budget proposal today shows that the city will spend $150 million at least in new arrival services in the next year. Um, and, you know, that includes, he says, adding more staff to the city's Department of Family and Support Services, which, you know, handles a lot of the work involved in supporting new arrivals. And also, one point two that includes $1.2 million for an office of new arrivals within DFSS. And then also more staff at the Office of Emergency Management and Communications. And so those are all city agencies that have been understaffed in terms of being able to handle this migrant crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting buses, you know, constantly, multiple times a day. And so he says that as, as, as of right now, that's, that's the big plan. He's also trying to highlight that this budget calls for $250 million in homeless support services for existing unhoused residents. So really trying to manage a tough dynamic while, you know, as I said, the budget gap is in part because of the unexpected funding and spending the city has had to make on, on this crisis. And there's so many other topics, of course, that he addressed, but we, we can't address 
right now in this conversation, but it, it, take 20 seconds, Justin, and just tell us, I mean, your final thoughts here. Yeah, I think uh, it, was, it was impressive to see him hold the line on property taxes, continue to invest in pensions, which is really, really important from the standpoint of the credit rating agencies and bond investors and others. So in that sense, uh, holding fast on all of those campaign promises and yet mm-hmm. still managing to pass a balanced budget is impressive. Again, I think the real question now is going to be, as we start to think particularly about the revenue side of this over the next weeks and months and into future budgets, yeah. I think that's really where a lot of the action is going to be. 30 seconds left, Mariah. He's laid out this budget plan. What's next? I agree. I think it's going to be critical that he, you know, works on these larger tax proposals that he's proposing because we skipped a property tax increase last year. We're skipping one this year. And, you know, there aren't any massively new revenue or funding streams in this budget. And so I think that's going to be critical if he wants to continue to not raise property taxes and make investments in his next three budgets. We've been talking to WBEZ City Politics and Government reporter Mariah Wolfel and Justin Marlowe of the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy. Thank you both. That episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Micah Yason and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Brenda Ruiz. If you want to hear Mayor Brandon Johnson's budget address in full, you can find it in our episode feed. Listen to more conversations about education, politics, arts, and culture by subscribing to the Reset Podcast. And when you do, make sure to leave a quick rating and review so that more listeners can find our show. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll chat again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.